What is shaking, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. This is Noggin Notes, and I'm Jake Wiskirchen. If you didn't know already, Noggin Notes aims to educate and enrich your noggin on matters of mental wellness, psychological issues, spirituality, and all sorts of really cool things that have to do with overall health and, and happiness. That being said, I thought it was worth having a conversation with somebody I know to be pretty well schooled in technology and specifically social media, marketing, and advertising. It's my friend Kevin Barry, and Kevin has been helping us out at Zephyr Wellness, which is one of our sponsors, by the way, because uh, when you own the company and you do a podcast for free, that means your company sponsors the podcast. But Kevin has been helping Zephyr with its marketing efforts uh, digitally, online, as well as helping out with Walk the Talk America's marketing efforts digitally online. Kevin's a very smart guy and he's very plugged into all of this stuff. And I thought it was worth having a conversation with him about the psychological impact of social media, as well as uh, give some insights into how digital marketing targets you, the observer, with its ways and means. So this is an interview with Kevin and I think you're going to find it fascinating. The other sponsor that we have that I would encourage you to check out if you haven't already is go to audibletrial.com slash noggin notes and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial, download a free audiobook, and keep it even if you cancel the trial. But you probably won't because audiobooks are amazing. Uh, If you're listening to a podcast, then you probably want to check out an audiobook. So audibletrial.com slash noggin notes. It's a great way to access information and expand your personal inventory of awareness and knowledge. And uh, if you do it right now, you get a free download and a free 30-day trial to check out everything that they have. AudibleTrial.com slash Noggin Notes. Thank you for downloading our content. We always appreciate the followership and the support. Without further ado, this is my interview with Kevin Berry on social media and digital marketing and advertising. Enjoy. Well, on this episode of Noggin Notes, we have a good friend and advisor of all things internet, I guess you could say, Kevin Barry. Hello, Kevin. Hi, how's it going? It's well, thanks. Uh, thanks for making time and uh, being here because this is a really important topic. You are the managing member uh, or one of the managing members. Are there multiple of you? It's just you, <laughs> there right? There's only just me, yeah. You're just, yeah, just you and you have some employees, but you run Marketing Stable LLC. Uh, what you guys do is online, social media, marketing, you build websites, you do lots of things, all that you talk about, everything that you do, but you're a really smart dude. You study this stuff a lot. I have learned a tremendous amount over the last several months of you doing not only what amounted to a, uh, a, <laughs> a failed political campaign, but also uh, doing Zephyr's online content and then Walk the Talk America's online content and then branching into other things. But we were talking, the reason we want to do this podcast is because <laughs> a lot of reasons. Uh, social media is um, crazy and weird and mysterious, um, but it also really significantly impacts people's mental well-being. And, um, and we'll talk about that, but also because there's so much people don't know. And you are like the person who gets to pull back the the curtain and let us look at some of the dark arts of the internet, uh, <laughs> as you call it. So talk a little bit about what you do, what marketing stable does. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll just, we'll just start talking because this is, this can go a lot of different directions. <laughs> there are a lot of rabbit holes that we can dive into. There are. Uh, 
Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, internet's a crazy and ever evolving place. So uh, I think you give me a little bit more credit than I can take since it's always hard to stay up on uh, what the social media accounts are doing and whatnot, but we try our best. Uh, so a little bit about Marketing Stable LLC. Uh, I started it in about January, February of 2018. And we just wanted to offer creative professionals to help uh, businesses like Zephyr, uh, Walk the Talk America, like you mentioned, and some others uh, get access to these skill sets of web design, social media, SEO. Uh, we help with digital recruiting, uh, just kind of educate our clients on try to make them uh, let them make good decisions about stuff that maybe they're not as uh, knowledgeable about. We, I should have mentioned this before we started recording, but what I try to do with the podcast is define acronyms and lingo and you rip through a bunch there. I think, I think we assume that people know what they are. Certainly web design. We know what that is. It's designing a web page, uh, social media. We know what that is, but then you mentioned SEO and, um, I forget what the fourth one was, but what de define SEO first so that we have common vocabulary. Cause I, again, this blew my mind when I was talking to you, it was not at all what I thought it was. Absolutely. So SEO is the big buzzword right now. You see it probably in your spam folder of um, companies or individuals say, hey, we can get you the first page on Google. SEO is search engine optimization. So it's basically ranks your website content and organizes it into how search engines uh, list their results. So it's very complicated and ever-changing, but some of the elements are like your page speed, make sure your website uh, goes fast and your images are optimized for different kind of devices like desktops, uh, mobile, tablets. Um, keywords also are a big element, linking to other useful articles or content on your own or other website, um, as, as well as kind of your brand strength. So you're never gonna have stronger SEO than Nike if you're a small town shoe company it's just not going to happen um, so that's the basic overview uh, in SEO hopefully that helps uh, your listeners it's another uh, rabbit hole we could dive into deeper but yeah I mean we could spend some time there and I because I think it's valuable with as much um, I won't say fraud but that there there is some of that but it's just disingenuous advertising to try to get people to spend money and that was something that you shared with me which is that there are companies out there who make it sound like they're going to do miracles for your brand. And A, like you just illustrated, sometimes it's not even possible uh, when you're the small town shoe company competing against Nike. And then they lead you to believe that you can and you won't. Uh, and then there's, there's the flip side of that, which is like, they'll just overpromise and underdeliver uh, because you as the consumer don't understand what it is that you're doing part of what I learned from, from you, Kevin, is that a little bit of the, the inside uh, business, you know, the, the professional lingo and, and some of the secrets of the industry um, that help make me be make better decisions, me and Lindsay, you know, with, with regard to Zephyr's content. And I think it's important to, to give away some of those secrets because they shouldn't be secrets because it, knowledge is power. And it doesn't matter that, I know how to create SEO on the Zephyr website. The simple fact is I can't do it as expeditiously as you. So I pay you to do it. So similar to, you know, psychotherapy. It doesn't matter that I, I give away a bunch of stuff on YouTube about how people can improve their thought processes. Oftentimes you just have to hire a professional. So 
help help us understand the differences when somebody says, you know, for a thousand bucks a month, I'll improve your SEO and drive more customers to your business versus actual authentic search engine op- optimization, which as I learned, takes an incredible amount of effort. Exactly. And I think you mentioned good thing, uh, kind of an earlier point of those buzzwords that people don't know. You see a lot of that of CPC, cost per click. You see a lot of Mm. the professionals use a lot of that lingo and they don't really educate you. So you're kind of left in the dark and they kind of leave you with, here's, like you say, here's package A with a thousand that's going to do this. And they don't really give you options. Um, We don't really believe in that at all. Every client's different with different effort needed. Um, with your content versus even Walk the Talk America's content is very different. Uh, so we kind of like to learn each client, educate them, and then kind of go through some options and uh, be kind of a two-way street and making the decision instead of here's what you get um, and it's going to work and not really tell you. Uh, there's a bunch of scary stories that we've had with uh, current clients and their past experiences. Some have had being charged a thousand dollars a month for an SEO report that you can pull off the website for free if you know how to do it. Um, it's kind of kind of like the scary car mechanic. If you don't know a car, you just don't know what you get into, and they take advantage of that and use those buzzwords that you don't really know, and they rattle off enough things that make them seem knowledgeable. Um, and I think once we get into the advertising section of this, we can kind of unveil. Um, a little bit how it works and some of those things uh, once we get into that part. Yeah, I don't want to be sold on uh, refilling my headlight fluid. <laughs> exactly. So let's let's go that direction then. Let's go talk about the advertising because if, if we're framing this in a, I mean, Nagano is a mental health podcast. We talk about people's mental health uh, and how they can maintain it and so they don't slip into mental illness, um, which I guess maybe I should explain a little bit too, my perspective on this. I think I'm going to just uh, birdwalk our conversation for a moment because I think it's relevant. So right now across most of uh, media, social or mainstream or otherwise, people talk about mental health, but what oftentimes they mean is mental illness. So they say people with mental health, it's like, well, we all have mental health. We all have physical health, but what you mean is mental illness. Um, so I really would invite the listening audience to be a little bit more mindful of your language. If you're one of those people who's uh, just broad basing saying, yeah, mental health, mental health, mental health, mental health all the time, there is a counterbalance to that. And it's, it's the illness portion. And you don't have to be diagnosed with a, with a mental disorder in order to be suffering mental illness. You can be mentally ill because you're uh, under stress at work and you come home bitter and angry every day. Like that, that's a, that's a mentally ill person, right? You're, we just don't talk like that because we, as a culture, have binaried it. We've made it all or nothing. We've made it, you must be so sick, you must be institutionalized, or you're healthy, happy, positive vibes only. Well, it turns out there's a broad spectrum in there, and we flow in and out of this almost like a, like a sine curve. If you're familiar with mathematic terms, it's just a wave. It goes up, it goes down. Sometimes you're healthy, sometimes you're ill. And just like with physical ailments. Uh, Sometimes your back feels good. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, It doesn't mean you necessarily need to level up to the doctor's office to get an MRI. Uh, It just means you need to stop running so much after work, (laughs) like take a day off and get some rest. So I want to, I want to paint that picture for people because I think what I'm seeing is more mental illness on that, that low simmering chronic level these days because people are so influenced by advertising, marketing, social media, 
posting, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, not to mention the comments. Um, and, and we'll talk about that too. As Kevin's laughing, you can't see that, but we're on video with each other. Um, so take us into the advertisement and the marketing and, and then we can talk about the, the psychological aspects of that and why it's, why it's neurologically important to understand what advertising and marketing do and what social media, what does what it with a person like you do? What's your job you know, to, to leverage that? Right. So take it away. Yeah. So social media advertising has huge uh, advantages, uh, digital advertising as well. And it's evolving so fast. Just a few years ago, um, there were a lot of kind of, I forget what they called, uh, secondary kind of demographics where I could target parents of kids ages, whatever, five through 10, parents of uh, kids ages 11 through 15. And that all existed to uh, better reach people with the content uh, with demographics. And then I think, what, a year or two ago, Facebook got in trouble for all that data. Uh, and now things are changing a little bit. So now they're letting you access your own data um, and see what people, uh, what companies are sharing data with them and what companies or data they're sharing with companies. Um, Facebook launched a recent, your Facebook, off Facebook activity. So they also got in trouble of while you have your Facebook logged into your Facebook, they're tracking what websites you go on to and other tabs and wow, really? all of that. Yeah. So right now I have open uh, my off Facebook activity. It has Hulu on there. I never access Hulu through my uh, laptop, this laptop. So it's getting that through other, um, other purposes. It has constant contact MailChimp. So the, digital newsletters that I manage are sharing information. Um, it has and Facebook PayPal. is seeing all this. Yep. Yeah. It shows it received June 21st, 2020. So, and there's, I mean, there's probably 150 different companies on this list of my personal um, account. And uh, we're going to provide links so you can actually do this uh, yourself as well, since you can't see my screen on a con uh, on the podcast. But uh, the way digital advertising has been evolved is it's just better reaching people with uh, the advertiser's needs. So I get to go in the back end of Facebook Ads Manager and select I want to target um, people to click this link, and it's going to take out everybody it doesn't think is really interested and it's only going to deliver that article with the goal of people actually clicking into the link. Um, recently I've noticed uh, for whatever reason I get a lot of great white shark uh, ads it probably has some percentage on me of 82 percent of the time he's going to click on the, the great white shark video. You um, like sharks? I hate very terrified of them but <laughs> respect them like if you're in the water you're 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 done your life is in the hands of that shark um but or the fins so, as it were <laughs> exactly um but that's how it works so and it can go into a very dark place i know um my wife and i just had our first child so she'd see articles oh this is happening or did you see this crazy thing that happened with this baby and there was a medical issue? So she clicked, oh, well, let me read it and learn more. And then now the way Facebook or uh, even the internet works is now it's going to be, oh, she liked that content. She's more likely to click that content. Let's give you more. 
And that's so an algorithm, right? And, and, and uh, helping people understand what an <laughs> algorithm is. So an algorithm is basically um, kind of programmed um, rules logic of getting all of that information that Facebook's database has and said, okay, if this ad showed to um, whatever their algorithm is, people highly likely to click great white shark videos. And there I am. Um, and I, I mean, I was looking at it today, algorithms and AI are very, very close. And we're in that um, stage of where the algorithms are very in-depthly um, kind of programmed with a, lots of rules and lots of information in it to where it's very close to AI. To where AI meaning ar artificial intelligence, meaning it, it decides on its own. It doesn't need a programmer to tell it to decide. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the borderline to where um, even if you go to Google and type in how tall is Tom Cruise, if you do another Google search and just type HO, it's going to go, how tall is other top people? Right. Where before off the normal search, if you just put how, it's going to rank your top how to's. So now the internet and social media is evolving. It's almost like it's alive knowing, oh, they search this, they're likely to search this. They're trying That's... to guess. And so well, it's like really scary. What, it so is. if I'm listening to this as a, as a, as a listener, cause all this is really fascinating to me. And if I hadn't been hanging out with you the last several months, um, close as we are, I would be floored. And so I want to be very deliberate about how we share this information. I would want to rewind and, and make sure that my ears heard correctly. If you're logged into Facebook on a browser, on a computer, everything that that browser touches Facebook also gets to see. And then advertisers, because algorithms and AI are dispassionate. They don't, they don't care. They just pull information and then regurgitate it as, as they see fit. If, if you're looking at baby equipment, because you have a baby, Facebook will tell its advertisers, hey, this person, you, Kevin, will probably follow your baby ads. And so you'll see ad for Gerber or Graco or whatever. And you're like, how the heck did that happen? I didn't, I, all I ever do is open Facebook to look at things. I don't even interact. It's because Facebook saw you interact on the Graco website or, or whatever. Exactly. That's yeah. Right cool. here. I have uh, the formula, baby formula we just bought. Um, and it's received June 21st, 2020 on Facebook's you're off Facebook. Uh, activities. So, I mean, we all kind of joke, oh, I shop for new tennis shoes and here's an ad for Nike on um, my website, Or, but that's literally how it works. Wow. And, and people can access this and you're going to share the link on how they can log into their own profiles and see what, what is being viewed, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, manage your, you can even clear your history of all your uh, off Facebook activity of what it has. Um, you can download your data. Basically, Facebook gives you data of what it thinks you are, Republican, Democrat, your kind of age. If you put it in, if you don't, they kind of make a guess. Um, mm -hmm. So it gives a little bit of everything. And like I showed you uh, earlier today before, it's it's not in an easy format to digest. It, a lot of it, uh, we did Twitter and Instagram. It's in... Uh, yeah, it's computer gobbledygook to me. It is, yeah. So uh, it's it's unfortunate that it's not in a nice PDF or Word document option to where it's in common language to where people uh, can kind of take a hold of this and really see what 
um, people have on them. And I mean, Google's the exact same way. If you use Google Maps, it tracks all the locations that you go. It knows pretty much where you live if you use it enough. Um, if you use any of the, what are they called, voice assistants, the Alexa, Siri, um, it records those uh, conversations you have with that device to, um, again, better target you for content and learn more about you. So I discovered something the other day, um, two somethings, I guess. One is that my phone uh, is a Pixel. It came preloaded with this um, software that allows, it, it's passively listening to everything that goes on. And so it'll it'll just pop up whatever music is playing overhead, for example. And it's like, oh, that's that song in the grocery store. And then I was like, wait a minute, if that's passively listening to songs and has intelligence to identify songs, why wouldn't it also capture every conversation I'm having? Now, maybe that's a little conspiratorial. I don't really know, but it was enough to make me turn off that passive listening because I don't know where it ends up. Um, and people have talked about that. Like, I've never searched for this thing. All I did was mention it in conversation at dinner the other night, and then boom, there was an ad for it. Is that, I don't know, that's just one thing. The other thing I'll get to in a minute, but is that, is that legitimate? Is that happening to your knowledge? I mean, it's hard to know, not to my knowledge, but it's kind of like the UFO. If Facebook's willing to give, hey, yeah, we were doing this back then and here's how to help manage it now. What, what are they currently doing that they're right. not telling us? So right, that's that'll kinda... be revealed several months later because of some compelled you know, act by Congress or whatever. It is. And I mean, it, it's getting better. Um, like with, like I said, the secondary kind of demographics that I used to be able to target, it won't let me target anymore. Uh, Facebook has obviously added some good features with like advertising job posts. It pretty much restricts uh, your ability to customize those job posts because that would um, not be right targeting different demographics uh, specifically. So it just mm -hmm. lets you target um, a mile radius and then it uh, will approve or reject. So um, it's, it's getting better and getting there, but what have they been caught on and that's what they're doing. And now they're doing so much other stuff that they haven't been caught on that they don't really have to tell anybody or, um, act on, you know, talking about mental illness and I'm getting anxiety, just thinking about how much I'm being watched by things that I didn't know I was being watched, which leads me to my second thing that I discovered, which is my keyboard has a, uh, a predictable, uh, emoji thing. So it'll, it'll, it'll read what I type and then like suggest emojis. Okay. So that tells me that the technology is there to read what I'm typing. Uh, uh. Who's watching that <laughs> and where is that going? And are my text messages really, truly metadata or are they housed somewhere? And, and everybody knows every, con somebody knows every conversation that I've had. Exactly. That, that data is out there. Um, when you do pull off the Instagram or Facebook or whatever data, you can see it does record every conversation you have in your messages. It does record every content you like or interact with. So that data does exist. Um, obviously, we don't know who all it's been shared with. Um, or, I mean, it's the phone harmless to where it just knows, oh, after this word, 80% of the time, Jake texts this word, and then that's where it stops. Um, we're kind of left in the dark about uh, this thing, and it's a very big, uh, big uh, controversy right now. I know one of the presidential candidates, Andrew Yang, is starting um, something to try to take back control of your private data. Uh, I just read an article about it uh, yesterday um, that they're just trying to start a site to get the data back to their own people or at least get compensated for that. 
But like we were saying, I mean, and I don't think Andrew Yang's running for president anymore. I think it's down to, to just Joe Biden. But exactly, he's, he's still active in the in the in the community to try to you know make change or whatever. But like as we were mentioning before, <laughs> we don't know what they're doing. It's almost like they're that these big tech companies are have this. Um, seeking forgiveness is better than asking permission and they'll we'll just wait to get caught and see if anybody's offended uh but we're just going to keep doing things so it's like all right cool andrew yang you're gonna like get data back in the hands of the people who own it rather than these these big monolithic companies how do we know that we can actually police that if they're so good at hiding everything anyway <laughs> is it all just like a charade yeah, I mean, we don't really know. I mean, that's why, I mean, as much credit as you give me, I don't pretend to be uh, expert on uh, search engine optimization or social right. media just because it is ever evolving and it, it's, it takes a lot of effort to stay up to date. And um, just like with everything, there's hunches or there's articles and it's hard to really prove if it's, oh yeah, that actually came out or is that more conspiracy theory, maybe hypothesis? We know more than I do. And what I do know is that the other day, I I had not eaten roundtable pizza in forever, and I, so I looked up roundtable's menu to see if they had any specials. And of course, they didn't because everybody's doing takeout, and they don't have to have specials when everybody's doing takeout. But anyway, we ended up not having a roundtable. Went a different direction, and that I did that on Google with my phone, and then not two hours later on Instagram was a roundtable pizza ad. I was like. So is Google selling my stuff to Instagram now? Because Instagram's a Facebook property. As far as I know, they're not related, unless they're related economically. But maybe that's the dark arts of the internet. Yeah, I think it's the dark arts of what we don't know. I mean, I Uber Eats to pizza and it came up on my Facebook. And I mean, that's just an app, another app on my phone. It's not even like I had... Went in a browser. Yeah, so um, I mean... Wow. Right on here, it says this is the summary of 199 apps and websites that have shared your activity. So it's not limited to, to just your browser, clearly. It's what the apps are sharing it too. And, the, and yeah. that's when it's, you know, uh, you click to allow access to content or whatever, you know, <laughs> you just opted in, apparently. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, the nine-page nine legal uh, consent form that nobody really reads thoroughly. When right. Yes, I agree to terms. Cause I want yeah. so badly to make my TikTok video. Um, all right. So let's, let's shift gears into talking about how uh, demonic Zephyr wellness is by leveraging this uh, creative utility to dance our content in front of people's faces. Um, <laughs> you, you, you helped us move through the switch to telehealth. Uh, we, we put out some ads and, and it helped attract people into our place of business. Um, we'd like to think that's a benevolent practice. We've talked about all the potentially malevolent things that are, that are happening. Um, you do this for a living. You're okay with it. There's obviously nothing wrong, you know, per se, other than maybe people are taking your preferences and not um, asking you permission first. But as far as like people demonizing social media, demonizing advertising, demonizing marketing, uh, saying it's the devil and all this stuff. I had a conversation the other day on a different podcast with a guy named Matt Miller, who is the director of the veterans administration suicide prevention program. And 
I asked him about, you know, suicide rates going up and mental illness prevalence going up and what he thought about social media. He said, it's a tool like anything else. It can be used for good, can be used for evil. Um, and it's really up to the individual. I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, it's really up to the individual to decide what to do with it. How do you reconcile the, the potential toxicity with the potential good? How do, how do we, how do we help people? How do we operate within that and not ourselves become sucked into the morass? <laughs> well, first it's a loaded one, two parts uh, yes, for the, uh, individual uh, I can give some tips of how to make your social media use less toxic um, but as a as a professional like what we did with Zephyr Wellness we were able to uh, reach a lot of people that may really need uh, telehealth services um, for that particular campaign I didn't specifically target anybody very closely we wanted to reach as many people in your service area so we left it pretty broad um, so I feel like that's a very good thing. And you're, you're really tied. It's almost kind of a, what was it, a duopoly with Facebook and Google. Google owns Google ads, which is controlling what you see um, on top of your Google searches based off keywords. And um, also YouTube and then Facebook owns Facebook and Instagram. So, I mean, those four platforms are pretty much the bulk of digital advertising as we know it. So if you're not using them for good, then um, other companies are going to continue to use them how they're using the profit for other um, things. I know a big thing right now is like Patagonia decided they're pulling their Facebook ads because of the data and everything and they don't feel like it's right. So uh, I feel it's a very personal decision. Um, but as long as you're using it for good and trying to help people and reach them with useful content, like I believe we are. Um, then it's a really good tool and it's, it's very cost efficient. You can have an $800 a month billboard out where you, they're like, Oh yeah, whatever, a hundred thousand people drive by it in a week. Well, great. In advertising, I get to see um, this many people reached it. This many people click the link and we can now make decisions based off adjustments or continuing. Um, I know you got kind of a summary of, uh, the results of the ads and we th both thought agreed it was working and looking pretty good and continued with it so it's just a so much better form of advertising than anything else right now yeah i think it's really easy to get discouraged when you hear um there's a, there's a really excellent podcast that i've been listening to that deals with um technology and humanity and it's it's actually founded by or i guess it's sponsored by something called the center for humane technology and it's called Your Undivided Attention. As the, pod, the podcast is Your Undivided Attention. And these two guys basically left mega tech to do something for the good and not just leverage it for profiteering and so forth. And, and so they, they're making this push. And it's one of the podcasts talked about bots and specifically Russian bots and how they used people's already inborn ideologies, the stuff that is not even necessarily advertised by what you select on your Facebook profile or your, or your Instagram profile says I am of these demographics, but it's based on all the things we just discussed where you click through links and they can basically build a, a character profile of who you are based on what you're interested in. And what these bots did is they, they basically had a sinister purpose of dividing America. They, their job was to create division and divisiveness to throw the country into chaos for, for whatever reason. I mean, we, we can debate that all day long, but 
the results are not debatable. The results are very much that you have these in artificial accounts that look like real accounts that plucked all that information and then played off of it to further deepen people's already natural convictions and beliefs. Um, so if you're into religion, they're going to like throw you a bunch of religious stuff, but frame it in a political sense and be like, you should vote this way because of Jesus or whatever. And, and without thinking about it, we go, Oh, that's, that's a real person. It looks like a real account uh, posting a real thing. turns out it's just, it's just fabricated. It's, it's an algorithm or it's, it's artificial intelligence or whatever it is. And so it's really, it's really hard to, to shake that off and say there's good out there, right? It's really easy to get overwhelmed by that. But what I'm hearing is there's, there's almost an obligation for the good people to, to do something, not to pull out. We don't want Patagonias of the world to pull out because they're doing the right thing. We don't, wanna, we don't want Zephyr Wellness to pull out and protest because then all that we're left is this wasteland of artificial bots and malevolent actors. So what I'm hearing is Zephyr needs to keep pushing ads because <laughs> we, we need to offer positive, upbeat information that's encouraging and not not the opposite uh and so there's a there's a there's a way that we can leverage this stuff for for good and not for evil yeah it's hand and foot i mean you get the advanced uh algorithms that are delivering content people are most likely interested in you were interested in a pizza that just missed its timing so and that goes with more important things like mental health oh you were interested in this here's a service um, so it works good, but also for bad. So it's, it, it's hard. It's a balance. And uh, I think it goes back to how you're using social media and being more knowledgeable and uh, kind of uh, what's the new, new phrase being woke, awakened to uh, yeah. what's going on. And um, like me, myself, I know, knowing how social media works is it, it goes off engagement. So any account you engage with, it's going to be like, oh, it, you engage with Aunt, Su- Aunt Susan. Here's Aunt Susan post higher on your feed. Um, so what I've done recently is I've followed a lot of uh, travel sites or, or beach sites on Instagram that are kind of pleasant imagery that's uh, nice to see and away from maybe any of the controversial stuff that um, maybe triggers emotions out of me. And but it's hard. I'm knowingly saying okay maybe normally I wouldn't like this picture on a beach, but if I like it more then that kind of content's going to show up more. And then also, I mean, maybe my great white shark thing, maybe I'm going to have to give that up and say, Ooh, that's a target. Um, I'm going to the beach next month. Uh, I'm going to knowingly not click that for the next couple of weeks. So I can go in the ocean and not, not have that on my feed. Right. Right. That's a really good, in, that's a really good tip actually on how to craft your own, algorithm so to speak how, how the the technology speaks to you so if we can be more mindful of our choices and not just unconsciously scroll click scroll click scroll click and then wonder why we are seeing images of things we didn't like well it's because you put them there you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, be, be mindful of that um talking about predictable stuff because this is the, it's kind of heading this direction what i think is really also worth considering is the idea of when you typed in how tall is Tom Cruise and then the, the first H O W pops up how tall is, and then it's a list of other uh, celebrities or actors. It sounds like we risk getting into an echo chamber 
of only yes. being fed stuff that we may have been interested in once. How do we, how do we avoid that? But also, um, is there a danger to that necessarily, or, or are we okay just being fed stuff that we like? I mean, I, I think I would yield to you more as the uh, mental thought process. Nope, I'm the that. host. You answer my questions. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, like we just talked about, you have to actively, knowingly avoid what you've been, your routine of content you like to get different content. So it's hard. And I think that's probably a lot of uh, the piece of where you see a lot of people fighting in the comments is because they're getting that echo chamber. So it's not saying, Ooh, did you consider this about that belief? It's feeding more into that. And so it probably makes more people likely to fight online. Um, besides the obvious of it's not face to face. Um, there's a because they're surrounded by a bunch of evidence that suggests that their worldview is, is representative of the world. Exactly. Yeah. The, the articles that they click on and enjoy more often are going to, other articles similar to that are going to show up for them to click and enjoy. Sure. I see that in my newsfeed. I click on a few science articles. All of a sudden it's offering me black hole, you know, I'm like, of course I'll, and then all of a sudden before I know it, my whole feed is science. Well, and it, it is almost a black hole of kind of darkness. It can (laughs) be very quick. To where, Ooh, that's a very clickbait controversial article to where maybe it's something very scary or something uh, not pleasant. And then you clicked on that. So it's going to produce more content like that for you to see. And you can get kind of trapped with a very kind of negative social media feed very quickly. And, like I say, I have to knowingly not click what I've been clicking on before and make an effort to click with stuff that is uh, pleasant and stuff like that. It hasn't been second nature the last few weeks that I've done it. And that is where I wanted to go with this next piece of the conversation, which is the advertising has a purpose. Uh, Neurologically, in the brain, we want to trigger the limbic system if we want to sell a product. It's typically either fear or excitement. Um, sometimes it's shame, guilt. We could mix that in with some fear and call it jealousy or envy. But typically it's fear or excitement. Fear is, um, an example might be, the world is burning, uh, protect yourself, uh, You know, buy, go panic, buy a bunch of toilet paper. Because uh, it might not be there tomorrow. That's a, that's a message that triggers the limbic system. And instead of acting out of reason and logic, saying I'm going to be fine, my 14 rolls of toilet paper will get me through the next month and a half because I know what I how much toilet paper I use, and I don't have to go buy six cases at Costco. Um, and the supply chain will likely restore before I need more toilet paper. That's a logical approach. A fear-based approach is holy crap, I need more toilet paper. And I didn't mean to you make a pun out of that, but. Um, And then you go buy a bunch of stuff. Excitement is look at the new iPhone. Uh, You need this. Oh, it's exciting. It's, and then jealousy is, Hey, everybody else has a new iPhone. Don't you want one too? And so we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and those are all limbic, uh, limbic brained activities. And we don't want to act out of emotion insofar as we can help it because when we act out of emotion, we often do things that we regret because we haven't thought them through. We're just reflexively responding to environment. And if you want to hear more about this, go back to December of 2018 in our Noggin Notes series and you can learn about it. Um, But what you're suggesting is that 
when we start clicking, even if we're vaguely interested in something at the time, like there's a, obviously there's, you know, lots of yellow journalism going on right now, which is um, designed to provoke emotion to click on headlines. Um, the headlines are enticing. You go, all right, I'll, I'll find out about that congressman who's been accused of something or other. The next thing you know, it, you're being fed with all sorts of misanthropic uh, events from Capitol Hill. Before you know it, you get this chemical stacking in the brain of negativity, negativity, negativity. Um, or if it's fear-based, it's, it's the same type of thing. You get anxiety after a while. So that's the problem with the echo chamber. It's not just that it's an echo chamber of ideas that, the, that you then argue with people about. It's an echo chamber of emotion. And that's how we get to a mentally ill state because we're just consuming content that we initially thought was interesting or curious, or we just want to stay apprised of before we know it, the bot is now you know, the algorithm is driving us to more and more of the same content when we're like, well, actually I just wanted that once. I didn't need like the same article from five different newspapers pushed down my throat. And if you get exposed to that, we know over time trauma can happen vicariously through repeated exposure to uh, traumatizing situations and a headline can be traumatic. I mean, it's a little tiny ping. It's a little tiny dopamine hit. It's a little tiny cortisol hit, but if you do it enough over time, pretty soon you find yourself in a bad mood, irritable, angry all the time, hypervigilant, buying a bunch of guns that you didn't want to own in the first place or ammunition for those guns, uh, toilet paper. And then you turn around and go, ah, how did I get here? Well, you got here because you, kept clicking and they kept feeding you what you initially clicked on what's the cure kevin other than just unplugging from it all which seems impractical and i have a, you know, an idea on that but i want to hear your idea like i say i think it's just knowingly going against that of um and it, it's very hard it's uh called quick bait for a reason it's literally bait ding, dangled out in front of you if somebody had an article of giant selling uh team in front of you, you're probably going to click it going, what, what's going on? And then the article is really about, oh, they're selling 0.001% to the public or some kind of fun thing that's kind of there, but not. The San Francisco Giants, you mean, not the New York football Giants about which I don't care a bit. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Your <laughs> beloved San Francisco Giants. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's content like that. And um, it is weird. I don't know if you have a term for it of when you're kind of subconsciously scrolling through to get out of that kind of mind state to actively engage on pleasant content that you want to see more instead of the normal content um, that you have been interacting with. My favorite word in the whole counseling profession, and it's rapidly becoming a word that I, that I really embrace for all of life is intentionality. Uh, it's the spirit of being intentional, uh, purposeful, mindful, you have to move from an unconscious state of scrolling or subconscious as you call it, which is, is equally true in certain extents. And I don't mean to split hairs over that right now um, to a conscious state. You have to be, you have to be aware, you have to be in charge, you have to be in control. And that's, that's being intentional. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because I truly want to be entertained by this? Or am I doing it because I'm, a, I'm procrastinating, avoiding work? Or am I doing it because I'm, uh, I'm just, dopamine, dopamine seeking to you know, follow stuff that I already know about. Um, so the way you move from that is, is you, you have to become aware, you gotta become self-aware and it starts a little bit at a time. One of those things is take a look at your life and your personal interactions. Are you snapping at your kids? 
are you threatening to kick your dog when you come home just because they, you know, ran up to you too quickly and wanted to sniff you because they're excited to see you. You know, like, are you, are you short with your wife? Um, are you drinking a little bit more than maybe you wanted to? Uh, those types of things will, will help aid in personal awareness. And then you can backpedal and go, where am I getting this? Am I scrolling Twitter and I'm like diving in the comments section? Uh, cause that's not helpful you, ever. Uh, that's not going to change anybody's mind. I mean, my experience is that you, you, people don't change their minds because they watched 280 characters exchanged among a bunch of like hyper violent, or I wouldn't say violent, but vitriolic people on Twitter. Like, Oh, you know what? I now have a different opinion on that matter based on these back and forth discussions. <laughs> I don't know if that's useful. Um, maybe unplugging is, is what's needed. Yeah, unplugging is definitely an option. And um, I mean, don't feel bad if this is literally algorithms that are very good at getting people to click on content. If you're finding yourself um, consuming the content that you're finding to be negative, uh, you can unplug or like I say, actively go search for content that is more enjoyable. And instead of Pizza Hut coming on, it's gonna be a vacation in Australia or something that's like, oh, that's cool. and taking away that negative content and putting in more positive or pleasant um, imagery or content. I talk a lot about what's called introjected beliefs. Um, I don't know how often I've talked about it on Naga Notes, but we definitely talk about it in supervision a lot. Introjection is a term that comes from a guy named Carl Jung. And Carl Jung talks a lot about unconscious versus conscious behavior. And um, he's one of the bigger names in our field. I highly recommend looking up some of his work if you want to know more about this, but we have intro jacks of all sorts. They're, they're just beliefs about things that create a worldview. Uh, and then we tend to adhere to that worldview unconsciously. One of the intro jacks that I've noticed recently is that people believe that they are compelled to stay online to know stuff. Now, we all like to know stuff. And that's another cultural introject from particularly the West where we, we like certainty and we're driven by science and we like to know things and how they work and all that stuff. Um, but now there's this like more urgent, more overwhelming compulsion to know stuff. And we got to know it all the time and we have to be the first and then we have to share it. And so we almost become our own algorithms to our friends where we're like, I noticed this in myself, so I just assume it's true of everybody else. Um, they're sending articles out via text message that um, maybe nobody was even interested in reading. But the interesting thing that I struggle with was, was pulling offline and pulling off social media was I was worried that I wouldn't be up to date on things. Now, I have a pretty extensive network. People are still sending me text messages of news articles. And what I learned is I can faithfully pull that plug and delete all my apps and anything that's relevant still finds its way to me. I don't need to know everything. I can't digest it anyway. And we simply are not evolved or designed to consume that much content, even if it was all positive. And as we already shared earlier, it's it's not necessarily all positive. And what it, all of it is designed to do is get you to click. And you, we are not, our brains are not supposed to live in that heightened limbic state as long as they are. There was a day I'm old enough to remember when we got a newspaper delivered to our doorstep, we consumed our news and it doesn't mean there weren't clickbait headlines back then. You just nothing to click on. It was just eyeballs, you know, above the fold, chase the, chase the story, whatever. But you read it in the morning and you're done. 
if you wanted to read it again, you had to physically pick the thing up. It wasn't just open your phone and there it is staring you in the face. Now it's like we've, we've lost control and there's this intrusion into our lives. I don't know how we get back to that other than what we've been discussing, which is you have to, you have to conscientiously choose how to consume your media. And that takes self-discipline. It takes uh, boundary making and limit setting. What do you guys do? What do you, what do you and your wife do as far as keeping yourselves sane? You do this for a living. Oh, yeah. You got to stay up on it, right? It's <laughs> part, of your, part of your world. I do. Uh, and I think that w- the world we live in is all about, you're right, being first and not necessarily being right all the time. Um, I know me and you both love sports as we'll see some update about maybe a trade and they wanted to be first that they didn't get it right. Fast and, and wrong is still fast. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we're in this age of, yes, the information is instant but it's not always accurate so it's really hard to make educated decisions anymore of all right i hear this about this thing or i hear this about that thing and then next week it's something opposite so i mean my wife and i we don't even watch the news um yeah i have twitter and everything facebook to where i see a lot of uh content and try to dive in and try to make sure that it's come from a good source and then try to find other reputable sources that are also saying the same thing, not just, oh, they were right or they were controversial. Um, Going back to the SEO, the search engine optimization. So thinking about that, how it works is you have to be the top of that kind of topic of popularity. Well, there's an opposite side to that topic and maybe not so popular or populated ideas. So you can become popular by just uh, stating the opposite kind of opinion or case. And maybe it's not accurate or anything, but that's a quicker way to becoming noticed. Interesting. And then you're not authentic either. Exactly. Wow. I'm, I'm lost in thought here because there's so much <laughs> swirling around. And, and we try to help people. I mean, this is, this is what we do for a living at, at, in the counseling world. We try to help people find peace. We try to help people find happiness. And, and it can seem like a really terrifying uphill battle if, if all you're doing is, you know, working people through some issue and then sending them out to go consume content that's unhealthy. I don't want it to be defeating. I want, it, I want this to be encouraging, that we can take charge of our lives again. We can uh, filter through massive amounts of content if we so choose and still be healthy on the other side. And I think that as I'm, as I'm talking through this, I think the answer is to be humble and curious. I think if we intentionally work toward curiosity and we don't necessarily need to form opinions just to chase the crowd either. Um, Cause everybody wants to have an opinion and they want to have their opinion heard. And it's like, Oh, by the way, who asked? nobody asked you. And that's what social media does too. It's like voluntary platform to just tell everybody what you think. It's like, well, I don't know if anybody was necessarily asking, but there's this compulsion now to, to share it anyway. And then you're like, Oh, I only got two likes on that. Yeah. Maybe because nobody cares, (laughs) but, but everybody else had an opinion and it's like, nah, I don't know. So staying humble, staying curious, staying, you know, passive observer maybe is healthier. I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's the path I take of let me see things and let me kind of decide on my own time. And I mean, I'm a big data person, obviously, wanting to see mm -hmm. um, advertising and all that work. So I want to see the data just limited in a, um, a non-biased way, which is really rare right now because social media is an echo chamber. If you have a Twitter fight online, it's not decided by logic and reasoning and facts. It's decided by what account has a bigger follower that following um, number and how many of those followers are active to con continue their argument for them in the comments. Some of those are bots now. Like massive accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers are totally fake. Mm -hmm. And even if they're not fake, they're, they're anonymously run, which is cowardly in my opinion. I mean, if you're going to have an opinion, put your name on it. Um, but, you know, people are hiding behind a Twitter egg or they're, they're, you know, just putting up some graphic and, you know, because of what they say gets popular, nobody knows who's behind them. Or they're satirical, but they're a little too close to reality. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of a mess right now. Um, I will tell, I, I will share with the audience that I unplugged from from my social media about two weeks ago, week and a half now. It was two Mondays ago. I deleted. Uh, I was never on Facebook, uh, but I have, I've, or at least not since 2014. Deleted Twitter, deleted Instagram, deleted Reddit, and darned if people don't still send me those links, and I click on them because I trust my friends not to you know send me into something toxic, but. It was Monday morning and by 1130, I went to lunch and I was like, I picked up my phone just to like, I was, I became hyper aware of how mindless I was because I picked up my phone and opened it up and I was like, oh yeah, Instagram's gone. And I just set my phone back down. I was like, well, I feel a little silly now. <laughs> and then I realized I don't need it and I'm healthier. I'm already healthier. It's only been three hours. Wow. <laughs> uh, and here I am a week and a half later and um, sure enough, the news does find me. I was correct. The news does find me and I'm not missing anything. No. And I mean, social media is already addicting enough with just the basic core principles of wanting to get people to like your post and all of those little psychological things that are already in there. Uh, don't make it harder for yourself by uh, getting, letting the ads or targeted content come to you and taking control of you uh take back control of your instagram feed and your uh, facebook feed uh, or just unplug either option is better in the long term for your mental health i mean you're already uh probably a little bit happier and maybe noticing some small differences in your life there where it's a positive experience a hundred percent i am so much calmer I don't, I don't have a compulsion to go. I, I homebrew. I share this with everybody. I always have beer on tap at my house. I don't have a compulsion to go just like drink a lot of beer. And I did for a while. I was like overwhelmed with stress and it wasn't any particular authentic stress. It was this like strange stress of just being online and seeing headlines and seeing Twitter fights. Um, I'm calmer around my kids. I'm more present. Uh, like psychologically mentally present um i don't feel this high vibrating neurosis anymore um and that's a week and a half that's nothing imagine what it's going to be 30 or 40 days from now i mean i'm i'm actually really excited for this i don't i don't know if i'll ever go back uh quite honestly and i i don't miss it i don't miss it i'm still i'm still in touch with the people who i need to be in touch with um all that's just artificial i think the idea that we need to we must stay in touch with our friends from high school who we don't talk to except on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. How close <laughs> are you then? 
Exactly. And I mean, look at all of those benefits that a mental health professional is seeing that they, I mean, are probably expected, maybe rightly or wrongly, to have a better grasp on. But you're seeing all of those improvements. Imagine what it's going to do to the person without all the education on the emotions and how oh to handle gosh. them. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part. Like, I'm supposed to have the self-awareness. I mean, I'm a counselor educator, not just a counselor. I like I teach other people how to how to be counselors and how to be self-aware and use the analytic self to examine themselves and their conversations, their interactions. Like, oh my gosh, even I succumbed to the to the pressures and the introjects that I must have these things. No, I don't. No, I really don't. Um, I don't know that anybody does. I, I almost made a comment about my own age, and it's like at this age, I don't. I definitely don't need. It. It's like I don't know that you need it at any age. I don't know how beneficial it is. Um, if if you're not self-aware enough to steer yourself, as you were saying, toward travel things, toward pretty pictures, you know, cute puppies, um, positive friends if, if all you're seeing is people angry at the world posting angry things and you don't know enough to control it or you don't have the self-discipline enough to set limits say i don't i don't want to follow you anymore because you're not beneficial to me maybe you don't need to be on it um exactly and the, yeah. the unfollow and the mute button on twitter those are there for a reason um it doesn't give anybody a notification of oh jake unfollowed me what the heck no it's for your own good of hey maybe you need a break for somebody during the political season um maybe you have a family member or something that always goes um something that causes you to have an angry reaction or something unpleasant just unfollow them you can always unfollow them back at the time or maybe, hey, I don't want to unfriend them because that's maybe a little uh, rude, but unfollow and mute the accounts that really you're not appreciating their content. Yeah, or God forbid we actually have a face-to-face -face conversation with that person <laughs> and say, hey, I really don't appreciate the content you're putting out there. And if you can't have that conversation, you probably aren't in a real good relationship with them anyway. Um, you know, like... Do we really have to follow celebrities? Do we really have to follow politicians? We already know what they're going to say. It's, it's not surprising. What, what are you doing? Like you're going you to like post a comment to like your congressman on his Twitter page and expect him to respond? Like really? That's going to influence policy somehow? You know, like have a conversation. Pick up the phone. Send an email if it really matters. Write out your thoughts. Be articulate. Use more than 280 characters. You mentioned addiction earlier, and I'm I'm really glad you did. I want to want to steer that direction for a little bit. There's there's basically two mm, there's there's really two types of addiction, and they do very very similar things in the brain. But it's important to know that there's a bifurcation. One is a chemical addiction. The other is a process addiction. And a chemical addiction is when you are addicted to a substance and you can't stop taking it, and it doesn't matter what it is. It's just you're introducing something into your body that shouldn't be there, um, and you can't quit. The other is a process addiction, whereby you engage in a behavior of some kind and it creates a chemical reaction in your brain that you, you like so much or your, your body tells you you like it, uh, that you find it difficult to stop that. So process addictions are things like um, gaming, gambling, masturbation, pornography, uh, that kind of thing, social media. Chemical addictions are obvious drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing. So social media has now become a process addiction for a lot of people, if people find themselves being unable to pull themselves away, um, what do you, what do you recommend? I mean, you're, you're the media guy. What do you, what do you do? 
Uh, I mean, it's hard. I think what you did is great. Just to unplug or, um, I mean, we've talked a little bit about positivity, but uh, reach out for help. Uh, maybe ask a friend, hey, I really love social media. Maybe kind of like you, I really enjoyed the news updates and feeling up to date. Could you help me out and uh, give me any updates like that? Um, it's really, I mean, social media is a dangerous thing with all the likes. And I think the University of Pittsburgh linked uh, social media to depression and um, a lot of negative, um, am I saying it right? Mental health illnesses. Mental illness. Mental illness. <laughs> Even um, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, with just the core principle of how it's uh, designed. Uh, what's that? Is it the psychological, was it the token theory? Which, or do something and you get a token and then oh um, yeah yeah so that's essentially what social media is post something and you get a token of likes and you want to get more tokens sure. so it, it's kind of designed based off that basic um principle to be addicting yeah it's very uh bf skinner uh you know classical conditioning um but but what's really interesting is i've heard this mentioned before that it, it replicates the same uh, high, if you will, that, you know, cocaine gives you, uh, when, when you're stimulating that part of the brain. And I mentioned this before, it's like, you know, it's dopamine hit, dopamine hit, uh, and, and the behavior process of being on social media, getting likes, uh, even getting notifications on your, on your smartphone, uh, it draws your attention and says, your brain says, Oh, look at that. It's interesting. I'm compelled to go check that out now. So if you can turn off notifications, that's a, that's a really great way to, to de-stimulate your brain and uh, get out of that uh, reward system uh, that's, that's occurring. It is really challenging. I want to, I want to leave this on an, you know, on a positive note, what you can, you know, what people can be mindful of, obviously in a separate and apart from the practical things like turning it off and, filtering down your, uh, who you follow and what accounts you, you, you click on. You had some links, you know, we're going to share those in the, in the uh, show notes, if you will. But what do you recommend as far as like stopping some of this uh, from occurring through your browser and, and that kind of thing? What are some technological impl- impl- ah, implementations <laughs> that we can do to, uh, to help stem some of this? So many of the browsers offer um, ad blockers and even a Facebook blocker to where you can download that on your uh, device. Obviously, I have uh, some of them on and it's still not doing 100% of the job. So uh, I think they only help so much. Um, But download the data and see what they have on you. And you can request uh, right here on my off, off Facebook activity, I can request it to clear the history to um, clear that. Um, but Does it actually clear it from, from Facebook though, or is it just clear it from searching and it'll keep searching after that? I believe it would be a temporary clear. So right. it's kind of pro and con. So I clear that right now and it's had so much data on what I enjoy and the things I interact with, it would just start collecting it again and you would have to clear it uh, every certain amount of time. Uh-huh. Uh, downloading my Google data today, I could actually set it up at frequencies of, oh, we'll download your Google data and give it to you every whatever, four months or whatever it was if you wanted to stay up to date. Uh, if you're that interested, yeah, click the links and download your data and see what it has on you. And 
uh, that might convince you to pull the plug on them. And just by seeing, oh, it knows where I live, it knows where I work, um, all the kind of scary things it actually does. And um, sometimes it's funny and it thinks my location's in like California right now of my uh, guest profile, um, which I don't even know. I think my settings are set to Reno, Nevada. Um, so, I mean, it's right and it's wrong. So it's, it's kind of the, we're in that awkward point where the algorithms are very good, but they're not perfect to where sometimes they're, they mess up. Is that because you purposely confused it or because it doesn't know what it's doing? No, I have, it, it confused itself somehow. Oh. Uh, I don't know if, <laughs> what happened, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let's find out if my profile go to my about see what i am doing so your yeah, marketing lives, in, lives in reno nevada so i'm not i'm not confusing it that's weird so you're 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 a tech guy you're a marketing guy you're a digital media guy do you have your location services turned on i do for certain apps i set those into uh while using the apps only to try to limit some of those things uh, we can go into a lot of scary stuff on that, but I mean, there's a lot of good stuff back there too of your location systems, what's using it, what's not. Um, it's different for Android and iOS users. Uh, I just read an article yesterday that there's this new COVID tracker that's yeah. going to eventually up, give you a notifications if you've been in contact with anybody that uh, has been tested positive with COVID. That looks like it's in the works. It's on my, every, everybody's phone right now, but it's not on everybody's or turned on. So that's something you have to opt in also as a COVID tracker? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's not even a possibility. Oh. Because I, I just read the article yesterday and I looked in the actual um, part in your, if you go to, I believe it's like settings and your health on your iPhone. Um, then it won't be up there. I I don't I have an Android, so maybe that's an iPhone only thing, or maybe they haven't figured out how to put it on Android yet. But they have directions, and if you're listening, you can just Google and um, kind of see the instructions for your own device. Yeah, you can Google it, and then it will continue to feed you articles about <laughs> COVID nineteen contact tracing. Uh, Oh. Exactly. It's a slippery slope. You get information about some good things to turn off, but uh, you get also spoon fed the other stuff. So is the, I'm a big fan of like fighting winnable battles that, re, that you know, reasonably could be achieved. And if we have, if we're passionate about it, we should, we should fight. This seems like an unwinnable battle. It seems like maybe just the better option is to align expectations with reality that uh, we're not going to get away from it. But what we can do is simply ameliorate some of the intrusion, moderate some of what is given to us. Um, but the idea of like, oh, I'm going to switch from Chrome to Firefox and I'm going to go to all these other platforms and I'm, uh, I'm going to turn off all the location services and then no one will be able to find me and I'll basically be off the grid is just, it's not, it's not possible. No, I think it's kind of the good and the bad. You get the good with uh, some of these things and also the bad. Uh, there's no foolproof, obviously. Some browsers are a little bit more secure, but I mean, as far as my credit card information or anything like that, I almost expect it to be hacked or accessed yeah. by a data breach these days once a year. I think it's just kind of being knowledgeable 
uh, about what's out there and being able to adjust, get a new credit card every year to try to avoid that, um, having the credit card apps while it's also knowing about your banking information. Right. Uh, it can also give you an instant alert. Hey, did you, Jake, buy uh, 15 Teletubby collector's items the other day? No, you didn't. So you can jump on it very quickly. So uh, we're advancing really quickly into technology for good and bad both. So I think try to just educate yourself and find your own comfort level. Well, I'm wondering how far we are away from being given advertisements based on what we purchase too. I mean, okay, so you know, unless you're using cash everywhere, uh, if you're swiping your card, they know that you're going to the grocery store. They know what, I mean, I could presumably assume that we're only a couple steps away from knowing what purchases you made too. And then you know, it's like, ads for cilantro show up because I wanted to make <laughs> salsa. You know, if that, if the uh, grocery stores aren't doing that already, that's on them. Cause uh, that's what your club cards for to track all your purchases. Yeah. And that's valuable that information to sell. Right. It is. They can make money off that stuff. How true is it that people say, you know, we will never sell your information and you attest to that. Do they really actually not sell the information? Uh, I think it's a little of both. Some maybe are a little unethical and get a big offer for data and then others have that intention and then they get hacked by somebody after that data because as we're seeing, data is very valuable. So if you know um, you have a marketplace on your website, that's going to be more of a target to hack than somebody without a marketplace because obviously transactions happen um, on your website. So, Ooh, there might be emails and names for a mailing list at minimal. And then there also might be a credit card billing, um, other information also if they get into. So we just need to be smarter. We need to operate from our frontal lobes and not our limbic brains. And we need to be aware, which is equivalent to conscious. And we need to have intentionality about where we engage, why we engage in it, how much we want to continue seeing it. And this all just goes back to having good boundaries, um, being knowledgeable of our own emotional functioning, uh, knowing what advertisers are trying to seek from us. And, and then we can get, take better charge of, of our responses to those, those prompts. Um, that doesn't sound so hard. No, not too harsh. And for the listeners, don't take it too personally. I mean, uh, Jake's been kind of spoon fed this information over what, six, eight, 10 months of kind of learning about it. And our listeners are getting a truckload of information that they might not have known about and seems rather shocking in what a little over an hour. So uh, you're not alone. Everybody's doing it. Just try to be a little bit more aware and find where your comfort zone is. Do you want the perks that come with having your location systems on certain apps or do you feel better turning those off? Uh, Same with Facebook Um, and knowing you can clear that information, knowing, all right, they don't have that information, but they're going to slowly start collecting it. Or is it kind of like, Hey, it's happening anyways. Let me not consume my mind with that happening because I can't prevent it too much. Yeah. Well, what's one thing that you would send the listening audience away with uh, here? Something, something maybe salient or uh, easily applicable, um, some, some thing that you want to leave everybody. What would you, what would you say? Uh, I'd say go do your own little experiment and search something positive on Google or search positive things on Facebook and see, you'll see your content change. If you follow 10 
um, puppy pages or travel sites on Instagram, you'll start to see a little change. So you might get that initial reward of, oh, I just put in a little effort of positivity and I'm already seeing a little difference. Um, and maybe that helps you uh, be more motivated to continue that change and continue that effort to um, make social media less of a toxic place. That's good. I like that. Uh, if people want to reach you, how can they reach you? Uh, they can go to our website at marketingstablellc.com or send me an email at kberry, K-B-E-R-R-Y, at marketingstablellc.com. Thanks for coming on. I'm really glad you asked. Um, it's one of the one of the uh, rare times that I did not invite somebody. He invited himself, and I'm really glad that he did, because this is exactly up our alley and precisely what we want to be talking about. We want to empower people to take control of their own lives, take control of their own mental well-being, and uh, this is a great way to do it. Because I think until we have more of these types of conversations, people aren't aware that they can do something to stop uh, being dragged into anxiety or depression by their, their content feeds. So appreciate it, man. Thanks. For no problem. This. I'm glad I invited myself on. Uh, I know we were having a lot of talk about all the different things and I know it kind of helped you with a little things. So, uh, like you always say, why, why hoard that information? Uh, let's let everybody else try to have it and try to improve their lives. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, thanks, Kevin. On behalf of the Noggin Notes team and the Zephyr Wellness family, we wish you all great mental wellness. Take care.